Bruh. Bruh. Underdog fantasy currently has Antonio Gibson's receiving line at 12 and a half yards. Now, y'all know I'm not the biggest fan of this motherfucker. All right. Antonio Gibson is. I couldn't get this dude off my team quick enough. However, this line is egregious on multiple fronts. One, because Seattle's defense is egregious on all fronts. Front seven, front nine, back nine, bike nine, don't fucking matter. Cigarette in the mouth, Antonio Gibson. I should have photoshopped a cigarette into his mouth. Listen, Gibson's not the receiving back we wanted him to be. At least not this year, not with J.D. McKissick there. But if we've seen any trend at all from Washington in this backfield for the first time all year, is that coming off the bye, they want to get Antonio Gibson heavily, heavily, heavily involved. And it's caused a dip in Jared Patterson's playtime. It's caused a dip in J.D. McKissick's playtime. And I know it hasn't necessarily developed into a blossoming, blossoming relationship between Antonio Gibson and receiving yards. However, however, he's playing a season high in snaps. He's running a season high in routes. It's all there for Antonio Gibson, right? Even if he's only playing on first and second downs, which he's doing at a season high rate, that's going to end up being more passing work for him overall, okay? So when we're looking at this 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 line, we love it. Antonio Gibson tonight on Monday Night Football, over 12.5 receiving yards per underdog fantasy, all right? Go download the app. It'll be the first link in the description down below. If you use promo code BDGE, you're going to get 100% deposit match. Even if you're already on underdog, it doesn't even need to be a first-time depositor. Anything you deposit right now will be matched 100%. All right? Let's get it. Welcome, Bike, to the channel. Welcome, Bike, to the headquarters. My name is Nicholas. This is BDGE, Big Dogs. Gotta eat. And we're here to recap everything that happened in Week 12 of Fantasy Football, starting on the Thanksgiving Day games. We're going to go game by game. And we're going to talk about everything uh, fantasy-related. We're going to talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, players that are overrated. Turkey is overrated. Darnell Mooney, not overrated. Uh, we got a lot of games on hand today. We're going to talk about some early Week 13 waiver wire pickups. So we're going we're gonna to go full spectrum on this biatch. All right? How are we doing out there in the comments? No, Daniel, you the man. No, you're the man. Yeah, Joe, you the man. Adam, you're also the man. Need a giant Gibbs season game tonight. So is the Indian guy not based out of New York. He is based out of New York. He just is in India, though. All right. Who's ready? Who's ready? Let's share a screen. Let's do something te technologically sound here. Share. Share screen. We're going to share that screen. We're going to do this. And here we go. We're off to the races. I have to get really energized for this video because it's like, it's like an hour long of me just spitting ice cold flames out of my mouth. Need some water to lubricate the throat. Thanksgiving. Let's get into the games. Let's cover the first three Thanksgiving games quickly. Raiders Cowboys. Actually, let's go. Let's go. Uh, why are they, okay, never mind. We're not going to go in order, but fuck it. 
Uh, on the Raiders side of things, Josh Jacobs has one of his best games of the season. I, I, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good if I'm a Josh Jacobs owner right now. Uh, I think this was kind of like a long time coming, and I think we'll probably see a, um, a, a pretty good stretch run for a guy like Josh Jacobs down as the season progresses. The big takeaway from the Raiders side of things, you know, as I go through these games, as always, I'm not going to point out the fucking obvious and waste time on you know telling you things like. Deshaun Jackson's game is kind of fluky, even though, you know, he's filling into that rugs role kind of nice. I, I don't hate a, a Deshaun Jackson pickup on the Raiders, honestly. Darren Waller hurts his IT band or some shit. Um, I don't really know how significant it is. Apparently, it's not that big of a deal. Let me pull up the NFL schedule grid right quick. Do the little schedule gritty gritty. Vegas plays against Washington, Kansas City, Cleveland. Uh, now, I don't know if I expect Darren Waller to miss time, but the thing to note here is that if he does miss time, Foster Moreau fills in for about 100% of the snaps that Darren Waller was seeing. And he's a super athletic tight end. We saw him fill in a few weeks back. I think he went like six for 60 in a touchdown. So he will be like a borderline tight end one if Darren Waller does miss time. So he's someone to look at on your waiver wire. Um, on the Cowboys side of things. Okay, so we do have some takeaways here. First of which is the running back situation. Zeke is banged up. Zeke is hurting. There's been mixed reports. He's going to miss some time. They're just going to manage his load. I don't know, but clearly he's super, super duper ham hampered. Uh, Tony Pollard looks like he should be a a pretty fucking easy start going forward for the time being because Zeke is not going to get the work. Like Tony Pollard got 10 carries. Zeke had nine carries. Uh, Pollard saw four targets and Zeke saw eight targets, but they didn't amount to anything. It, it's just very clear that Pollard's a way more explosive running back right now. And I mean, hopefully I feel like at this point, if I'm a Zeke owner, you know, I'd, I'd rather him sit. Like, they, they're at New Orleans. They're at Washington. Both really tough run defenses. Uh, so, I would prefer him sit if that's the case. If he does sit, like, Tony Pollard's obviously a high-end RB1 pretty much. We've seen him fill in for Zeke in previous years, and he's always put up monster, monster numbers. So, you're holding on to both of them, obviously. Um, if Zeke is active going forward, I think you continue to play him just because, you know, the, the yardage is not there, but he gets a lot of goal line opportunities. He scored a touchdown in this one. He's also getting, you know, eight fucking targets. Uh, that's obviously a product of Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb banged up. I expect both of them to be back for next week's game. Um, so you could fire both of them up. Michael Gallup was good to see him kind of fill in as a wide receiver. One, eight targets, five catches, 106 yards. I think he's like a playable flex guy when the other two are back, but I'm not really expecting huge games. Cedric Wilson goes back to, you know, Cedric Wilson after this uh Dalton Schultz big game at the tight end position so nothing else really to talk about other than the Zeke and Tony Pollard conundrum that we find ourselves in I think they're both startable as long as they're both playing um Tony Pollard also brought a kick return bike for a touchdown which was kind of what cemented his fantasy day but um feel pretty good if you own Tony Pollard right now Bears Lions the most disgusting fucking thing I've ever watched Jared Goff had me wanting to discuss politics with my family Andy Dalton started in this one because Justin Fields was out. David Montgomery, not a good game. But again, like this is what you're going to get from Chicago Bears offense. I think the bigger takeaways here are that Darnell Mooney continues to operate as like a high-end wide receiver too with Allen Robinson outs. He is connecting on long plays, on short plays, uh, seeing a super stupid number of targets. Cole Komet was like a pretty good start this week. I started him in one league. I have a league where like I had, what was it, like Kamara, Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, like it's only six bench spots, and five of them are occupied by, like, my first seven picks. So I had – and it's a tight end premium league. So I ran off Kyle Pitts, Dallas Goddard, Cole Komet. So I'm thinking, like, oh, nice. Like, we started Cole Komet on Thursday. Rips off a quick, like, 15 points in the full PPR league. Feeling fucking good 
And I, I feel like that was kind of obvious seeing as to how he started getting super involved in the offense, had one dud game, so everyone was going to sit him. But I feel like pretty good about starting Cole Komet going forward, especially if Allen Robinson is out. Uh, Robinson had missed all of practice two weeks ago. I believe he got like a, a limited or, pra- or two practices in this week. So he's he's probably close to playing, but I wouldn't be surprised if they sat him again. Uh, if they sit him again with the hamstring injury, like you fire up Cole Komet, you fire up Darnell Mooney, and that's probably about it. You, you keep throwing David Montgomery out there again because he's getting 20 touches a game regardless. You know, sometimes you're just not going to have uh, those good games. They play against Arizona next week, which is pretty tough, but Kyler Murray back um, off their bye week. They should be at basically full strength, so it's going to be a game in which they're going to have to compete and put up points to fuck around with. All right, DeAndre Swift had done something to his shoulder. Now, there, there, it's definitely possible that he doesn't miss time because he has 10 days to rest up. Jamal Williams is obviously the back that you're going to be picking up if you do pick up anyone from this Lions team. He filled in 15 carries, 65 yards. He had five catches on five targets, only went for 18 yards, but he's probably like a top three back for me in terms of uh, the waiver wire this week. I'm not getting like crazy, crazy excited about him because again, he is Jamal Williams and what like DeAndre Swift brought to the table was his explosive plays. Like he's getting the volume, but you know, he busts off like 56 yard touchdowns semi-frequently. And we're not getting that from Jamal Williams. They do play Minnesota, then they're at Denver. So not like an easy slate of games, not a terribly difficult slate of games. I think you've, you know, if DeAndre Swift misses time, which I don't expect it to be a week, um, Jamal Williams would slide in as like a flex play for you, I think. Um, he, he might get a lot of touches. He'll probably end up getting like five to six catches. So maybe more more than a flex play, maybe like a, a mid to high end or not a high end, but like a mid to low end RB2 for uh, for the line just because he's going to catch 75 fucking passes. Uh, Buffalo, New Orleans. All right. So on the Buffalo side of things, nothing big to take away here except for Matt Breda. I think that's like the biggest talking point. Now, Devin Singletary led the backfield in touches, but Zach Moss was a healthy scratch, ripped to a real one. Um, Devin Singletary, 15 for 44. Matt Breda, 9 for 26. But Breda was involved in the passing game once again. Two targets, two catches, 29 yards, and a touchdown. He just looks he looks like the, the Breda from the 49ers. He looks like, by far and away, the most ex- ex- explosive back in that backfield. He's clearly jumped Zach Moss on the depth chart. I think he'll continue to be a part of this, this backfield. Now, it's hard to say, like, what the split's going to be going forward. And, you know, we've been playing fucking uh, whack-a-mole with trying to figure out what running back to start. And pretty much every week it turns out to be the don't start any fucking running back in this backfield. So, Breda's a speculative ad to me. If I'm going to own one back in this backfield, it's Breda. Just to see what he does down the stretch. We'll look at Buffalo's schedule. New England at Tampa Bay. Carolina at New England, Atlanta. So, honestly, a a super, super tough slate of, of games from a run defensive standpoint, although we just we did just see New England get slashed on the ground this week. Um, but Breda, Breda is like the only one in this backfield that might present some upside, right? If those carry numbers flip and Breda's getting 15 carries to Singletary's nine, Breda's getting two to three targets a game, he'll have upside in this offense with some explosive plays. So Breda's a, a, a deeper a deeper add in, you know, deeper leagues, whatever, whatever. Uh, New Orleans, Trevor Simeon continues to blow. Tony Jones was semi-popular start this week because we had Kamara and we had Ingram both out. And I just knew like, yeah, I picked up Tony Jones in the E-Town get down and I was like debating starting him. And I was like, there's, I, I know they're going to like start time on is going to do a lot of fuck shit. And that's exactly what happened. They ended up splitting the backfield. Tony Jones got all the carries, but against his Buffalo bills run defense, there was no running room whatsoever. And time Montgomery ended up getting seven targets, five catches, 31 yards. Tony Jones was not used whatsoever in the passing game so like even if which i don't expect i think alvin kamara certainly back i think david um 
Mark Ingram probably a coin toss, but closer to also being active because he was close to being active this week. Uh, Tony Jones goes back to having basically no role. So even if he is, you know, just the only running back there, Ty Montgomery clearly has the passing down role. They're playing against a, a pretty tough Dallas run defense, but I, I mean, he's going to have more success against Dallas than he did against uh, the Buffalo run D, but he's nothing more than like a desperate flex play at this point in terms of the passing game. We're not going to waste our time there. Uh, let's go back. Those are the Thanksgiving day games. Let's get to Sunday's slate. Honestly, this was—I feel like this is a super one-sided uh, group of games, at least during the 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 AM on the West Coast, at least. Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. This was a disgusting game from Pittsburgh. Uh, I kind of think you just throw it out. From a Najee Harris standpoint, Deontay Johnson did the same thing. He just literally goes nine for 95 every single week. This is actually insane. I kind of want to look at his numbers. Where are you, you little shit? Seven for 101, seven for 83, nine for 95, six for 98, nine for 71, nine for 92, nine for 105. He just does the same thing every week. He's just so consistently. Where does he rank right now in fantasy? Deontay Johnson. No way he's that low. 20? Oh, it's not points per game. Points per game, Deontay Johnson is the wide receiver 13. And I'd probably exclude Antonio Brown because he's only played five games. So uh, Deontay Johnson, this does not include week 12, I don't believe. So he'll probably jump Chris Godwin there. He's, he's I mean, he's basically a top 10 fantasy wide receiver. His volume is just so fucking high there. Uh, Najee Harris's volume will continue to be high. It was just a, a bad game from an underrated uh, Cincinnati Bengals defense. Chase Claypool continues to do exactly what Chase Claypool does and catch two to three balls, one of them being a really, really long one. Pat Fryermuth, one thing to notice is that uh, Eric Ebron, I believe, was put on the IR, but Pat Fryermuth did suffer a concussion in this game. So 50-50 chance for him to suit up next week. On the Cincinnati side of things, it was Mixon. And then they mixed in Mixon, and then a little bit more Mixon, and then some uh, Mixon. I I wish he could do something in the fucking receiving game, man. Four catches for negative two yards, but uh, you can't complain when he's going 28-165-2 and on the fucking ground. Cincinnati. Joe Mixon finally showing a little bit of ceiling. Like, let's go. I know I told everybody to trade Joe Mixon, but I only have two redraft leagues this year, and I have him in both of them. So, yes, I'm a certified piece of shit, but also a certified piece of shit with Joe Mixon on my team. Uh, I told a lot of people to start T. Higgins in the Q and Assault on Saturday, so I guess I'm kind of proud about that. Eight for six and 114 and Tugger. Big game. Could have been even bigger. Um Regardless, though, he had a he had a little bit of a breakout game. I think we're just going to continue seeing a carousel between Chase and Higgins and Tyler Boyd stinks. So he's those two. I, you keep firing those guys up. You, you fire up T Higgins as a, uh, a low end wide receiver two every week, despite the inconsistency. And then you fire up Jamar Chase as a you know high end wide receiver two, even though he's coming off the dud game. He's you know he's been doing it all year. Panthers, Miami, a lot to talk about here. Most of it revolving around Cam Newton is such a fucking piece of shit. Yeah, he really had me thinking. I had a, a solid ass QB two in my super flex leagues. Lo and behold, he puts up one of the worst quarterback performances of all time. He rips off this dude. Rips off a oh no, we just got breaking news, and it's on the Panthers. What a 
beautiful fucking segue for me after I ripped Cam Newton to shreds. So Cam Newton starts off with like a 64-yard pass to DJ Moore. He also gets in the end zone on a rushing touchdown. I'm like, here we go. Here we go, Cam. Let's fucking throw up another 30 spot right quick for me. Dude ends up with like seven fantasy points somehow. Throws two interceptions, goes five for 21. A QBR of 5.4. And he does not... Um, he doesn't do anything outside of that rushing touchdown on the ground. Ends up getting benched for P.J. Walker, who was not any better than Cam Newton. The running back situation, Christian McCaffrey just announced that he's put on IR. He is out for the remainder of the season. Leaves us in a weird spot because last time Christian McCaffrey was out, Chuba Hubbard became like the every down back. Now, they have a bye in week 13, I believe. Let's check this out. Carolina's a bye in week 13. Yep, then Atlanta at Buffalo, Tampa Bay at New Orleans. So just one of the most brutal slates of games after Atlanta for a running back at Buffalo, Tampa Bay at New Orleans. Like really, 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 really what we call in the industry, not good. Um, prior to this, we knew who was getting all the touches. It was Chuba Hubbard, right? Chuba Hubbard was the guy. However, however, Amir Abdullah has become like a really, really big thorn in Chuba Hubbard's ass cheek at this point. Chuba Hubbard, just two carries, six yards. Amir Abdullah, two carries, four yards. On the goal line now, we have a lot of Cam Newton, which kills their goal line status. In the passing game, Chuba Hubbard became like a distant, distant, fucking unrelated, barely relative through a cousin's not-blood marriage incestual relationship. It didn't make fucking sense. Um, Amir Abdullah had six targets, okay? So this this is looking more and more like it's going to be a split backfield in terms of the roles. Like Chuba Hubbard, early down guy. <coughs> I expect him to be more involved in the passing game than he was on Sunday. But like this kill this kills a lot of Chuba Hubbard's value. You know, like Chuba, early down guy in an offense where if they get to the goal line, I mean they look like a, they were a terrible offense on Sunday. Who knows how good they are going forward? Uh, Cam's going to be super involved. He's going to be a starter. They already announced that. Like, what's the passing game split look like? Like, Chuba, I'd rather own Chuba than Amir, obviously. And I think Chuba will probably be fine as, like, a flex play. But there's not a lot of upside when you take out, like, the two most valuable pieces of a fantasy running back's day, right? Receiving and goal line stuff. So, not good for Chuba, man. Not good for anybody on this fucking team. Um, I do think it probably leads to more passes for, like, a guy like DJ Moore, who saw 10 targets in this one. But outside of that, it's like Amir Abdullah. Everyone else got four, three, one targets. Um, so DJ Moore probably going to get more dump off passes, like we saw when Christian McCaffrey was out. So it's not good for the Carolina offense overall. Miami, um, Tua is looking just like good man. He's completing. He's just doing what they need him to do. He's not going over the top. He's not showing a lot of ceiling games. But like twenty-seven for thirty-one. I saw a stat where he's, you know, over the last like three or four games, he's uh, his completion percentage is super fucking high. So Tua, I feel pretty good about. And they play, um, they play the New York Giants next at home. A bye, and then the New York Jets at home. Uh, at, at New Orleans, at Tennessee, both on the road, but both of those defenses, you could pass the ball against for sure. Like top five, top ten in terms of friendliest schedules uh, for fantasy quarterbacks. So, like, I feel pretty good about Tua as a streaming option going forward, and I have him in, you know, the league that I had Cam Newton in E-Town get down, so I'll probably be starting Tua over Cam going forward. Miles Gaskin somehow gets in for two touchdowns, looked fine. Um, Philip Lindsay started to work in more and more. So Miles Gaskin had 16 carries, but Philip Lindsay and Salvin Ahmed combined for 17 carries. And the passing side of things, Miles Gaskin had two targets. Ahmed had one, and um, 
And yeah, I mean, the, the backfield is still clearly Miles Gaskins, and you you continue to start him on on an offense that's like looking better. This 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 Miami team is looking more and more like the team we thought they were going to be when we entered the season, right? Really stout defense. If their defense is sitting on the wire, they're one of my favorite pickups this week. Their pass rush is getting fucking home, and who's more careless with the fucking ball under center than Daniel Jones? I wouldn't be surprised if Miami had two strip sacks um, in this upcoming week. So. Miami looking beautiful. Jalen Waddle continuing to absolutely dominate as Devontae Parker and Will Fuller are still on the IR. Uh, so, you know, fire up Tua as a borderline QB1 next week. Miles Gaskin continue to start him. Jalen Waddle, you know, high-end wide receiver too at this point with this type of volume. Mike Kosicki, terrible game, but uh, I expect him to bounce back. You know, he's just one of those guys that you're going to take the ups with the downs, and if you don't have a better tight end player than him, you know, then you just keep rolling him out there. Titans, Pats, Ryan. Oh, my God. This game is so fucking ugly. All right. On the Titans side of things, we have the backfield situation. The first thing to note, we're going to get really excited about Dontrell Hillier. We're going to get really excited about Deontay Foreman. They have a bye next week. When they come back from a bye, I, I think Jeremy McNichols will be back from that concussion. Maybe he's not. But if he is, might make things a little uh, a little ugly. They might straight up just actually make him inactive. They could give him a healthy scratch if they feel like Dontrell Hilliard is good enough in the backfield as a pass catching back. Now it's crazy because like Dontrell Hilliard, I believe started the game and I had like ESPN on the fantasy focus show or whatever before Sunday kickoff. I don't remember what was going on, but the TV just happened to be on ESPN and they had got some like inside information that Dontrell Hilliard was going to be super involved. He was going to be probably the starter for this game. He ends up going 12 for 131 and a touchdown because of that 68-yard run that he rips off. But Deontay Foreman was also super involved with 20 touches, uh, 19 carries, 109 yards on the ground. And this was a Patriots defense that you thought was going to be tougher, but they played fucking bully ball, ended up losing by like 25 points, so it didn't fucking matter. But Tennessee goes into their bye. Then they play Jacksonville at home at Pittsburgh, who has been absolutely slashed on the ground, but that's because they're um, – Nose tackles a couple of games in three weeks. I, I assume he'll be back. But uh, at the bye, we'll see what happens with McNichols. But if I'm owning one of these guys, I, I do think it's probably Dontrell Hilliard right now going forward. I mean, he's showed explosion. Uh, he's also a like a, a shown pass catcher. We saw that in Cleveland when he had some time. But it's going to be a tricky situation to try to figure out going forward. We also don't know what happens with their receiving group. You know, is Julio back after the bye? Um you know, Nick Westbrook-Akini ends up getting in the end zone, but just like a shitty day. Continues to get home, though, in fantasy one way or another, right? Over 100 yards last week. Gets into the end zone this week. It's just not, you know, when Ryan Tannehill throws for fucking 93 yards, it's not an offense that you want pieces of in the passing game. But the running backs, it seems like they don't give a fuck what the score is. They just don't want to embarrass themselves right now. So Dontrell Hilliard is probably one of my top pickups this week. Deontay Foreman, if he's available, I don't expect him to be. But he's also obviously a guy worth uh, worth picking up. Patriots side of things, Mac Jones continues to fucking ball out. They have now won six games in a row in our eight and four, the New England Patriots. Pouring out for the Jets fans, man. Pouring out for the Miami fans. Pouring out to every fucking football fan that's not a Patriots fan, honestly. The backfield, we pretty much saw what we thought we were going to see, and it's a, it's a direct like 1A, 1B situation. Damian Harris is still the 1A there, though. A lot of Stevenson's work came in the fourth quarter i think he had like five or six carries like on a one fourth quarter drive so he wasn't like super super involved in this one also saw his receiving workload pulled back tremendously where brandon bolden became that guy again so as usual we're getting a fuckery of committee type stuff with the new england patriots they play at buffalo so a really tough run defense then they get a bye then they're at indy who's another tough run defense so um 
know, it, it's hard to think about either of these guys as anything more than a flex play. Ramondre Stevenson probably unstartable after this week. Damian Harris, I would I would continue to throw him out as a flex play because he's getting a lot of the goal line work. Uh, what else do we got? Oh, Kendrick Bourne had a big fucking day. Kendrick Bourne's just been really, really solid. Like one of the better free agent signings this entire offseason. And now he's like stringing together good game after good game after good game. He gets in twice here, obviously. Um, so a lot of the times you're going to see that 561 and two line be the same just without the touchdown. So, you know, he's a flex play PPR leagues. He gets the targets, he gets the production, but like you're not really counting him to fucking score touchdowns here. So, excuse me. Um, other thing I think you should note here is that Hunter Henry, you know, two for 16 didn't score a touchdown. And a lot of the time you are relying on him to score a touchdown, but Mac Jones just completely missed him on what would have been like a 30 yard touchdown. So had Mac Jones not like uncharacteristically missed him there, you're looking at a, like a three, four 45 and a touchdown game, like very par for the course for Hunter Henry. So Hunter Henry, you're not dropping him. I, I still think you start him for the most part. They also talked about like, Uncle Bill came out and said that he wants to get Jonu. Like, he straight up was like, this is a revenge game for Jonu, and we want to get him going. So I think they force-fed him a little bit in this game, more than they probably normally would have with, like, Hunter Henry and how good he's been for them. So I kind of like Hunter Henry still going forward. So I would not drop his arse. What other games have we got here? Like, 72 of them. Uh, oh, we skipped one, huh? Biggest take. Oh, my God. Uncle Lenny, bro. Uncle Lenny and Rob Gronkowski are just problems for me as a Chris Godwin owner. Terrible game from Tom Brady, but like, here's the thing, guys. There was a the entire first half of the season was this exact like game, except Brady got all the one yard touchdowns instead of Leonard Fournette. Okay, so th these things are going to happen. Like, this could just have easily been a you know two fifty three touchdown game for Tom Brady, and then you're looking at him the same way. So I'm not you know worried about Tom Brady. I know a lot of people started him or are probably worried about him, but I'm not worried whatsoever. Like a lot of those early, uh, you know, close touchdowns just could have went towards Brady. But they went for Uncle Lenny, and Uncle Lenny ends up going 17 for 100 on the ground, three touchdowns, add seven catches, 31 yards, and a touchdown on the ground uh, through the air. I mean, he's just an RB1 at this point. There's no other fucking way around it. He's an RB1, getting an unbelievable amount of touches uh, in an offense that you obviously just want parts of. Tampa Bay, they get Atlanta. On the road, Buffalo, New Orleans, at Carolina, at New York. So a couple tough games, a couple, you know, not tough games. Uh, I don't need to tell you to continue to fire up Leonard Fournette. Gronkowski looks like fucking an elite tight end. So, Gronkowski, like rankings-wise, I feel like if you are if you get a 75% Gronkowski out there, like not exactly healthy, he's a top 10 fantasy tight end. If you get a fully healthy Rob Gronkowski like we saw on Sunday, you get a top five fantasy tight end. So if you have him every single week, you start him, you don't even look. Uh, Godwin's Evans, uh, Godwin Evans, just a game that you want to throw away because we've seen what they can normally do all year. So no, no worries about it. Carson Wentz. I saw a, a this was one of my concerns. I remember like talking about Wentz in uh, the Q and Assault on Saturday as well, helping you guys with your sit starts. I had a feeling that the the Colts were going to kind of unleash Wentz in this game because the Buccaneers' ground defense is is usually pretty stout, and they were going to have to go towards the pass funnel defense of the of the Bucks. Um, that turned into a weird box score for the receivers. Jack Doyle, six for 81, a touchdown. I'm not, I'm not advising anyone to pick him up because next week it's going to be Mo Alley. We, I mean, we've, we've played this fucking game before. Ashton Doolin catches one, his only target for 62 yards and a touchdown. Normally that goes like Michael Pittman. So Pittman sees 10 targets. I'm not too worried about him. Yes. He's strung together a few bad weeks, but like, you know, you don't want to sit him now and then be 
the guy who fucking misses out when he bounces back against Houston next week. They get a bye, New England, Arizona. So Michael Pittman, you continue to fire up as like a, a, a high-end wide receiver three, low-end wide receiver two who gets a lot of volume and will continue to be efficient on those targets. Nothing else from the Colts side. Eagles, man, Justin, the Jalen Hurts, bro. Jalen fucking Hurts. Just so bad through the air. Although there was like an unbelievable amount of drops in this game. Jalen Rager, I feel like, should have just been cut after the game. But he wasn't. And this backfield is weird because Miles Sanders came back and I thought he was going to have a big game. However, he did tweak something. I think he tweaked his ankle. Uh, so keep monitoring that for reports on Miles Sanders. Let me see if any news broke throughout this. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Dude, what the fuck? Already ant- um, yeah, so Boston Scott, 15 carries, 64 yards, and a touchdown. Also catches two of three targets, only eight yards, but Miles Sanders only sees one target. Uh, Miles Sanders gets nine carries. Looked really good on the nine carries he got. However, again, I think he tweaked his ankles. So he was in and out of the game. Boston Scott seems to be really, really um, heavily involved, but Jordan Howard was not there. So Jordan Howard might be back for this Jets game, and then they get the bye. So it's like really, really hard to get a grasp on what this backfield is going to be like, um, given the injury uncertainty. So we have Miles Sanders a little banged up. We have Jordan Howard out with the knee injury from the receiving side of things. I mean, just a terrible game all around. Dallas Goddard, I guess, you know, start to obviously be worried about it. Not the high end tight end one we thought it were, he, we, you know, we were going to get with Zach Ertz out the picture. Devontae Smith, good games come with the bad games. I think at this point we know exactly who he is, and it's that we have no idea what we're going to get on a weekly basis. But I think you continue to put him in as a flex play and just take the good with the bad uh, when it comes to Devontae Smith. Uh, Boston Scott is a clear pickup this week for free agency because, you know, if they rest Jordan Howard again and they get fucking Houston on Sunday, like it's going to be a game script where Boston Scott might get 20 touches in this one. The Giants. Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, uh, just just so ugly all around, man. No real takeaways from this game other than Saquon, man. Uh, you continue to start him, I guess. Like, you're not going to sit Saquon, but no one else on this team is startable. We have to wait for the injury reports for Sterling Shepard and Kadarius Toney to see what we get for next week. But again, they get Miami, who's been red hot on offense, and I think it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be tough for New York to move the ball against them. So Saquon, you start. Everyone else, I think you sit. Daniel Jones, I think he's like a streaming option. Nine carries. This was the first game post Jason Garrett firing. So maybe they're playing to their strengths. Maybe they just fucking stink. And Daniel Jones had to make some plays. But like, not a good scene out there in New York. Even though they did get away with the the disgusting, boring, nauseating win. Falcons. Great to see Cordell Patterson bike. Uh, he's going to be a league winner down the stretch. I don't think anybody can argue that shit. Russell Gage is an interesting pickup. I think like as long as Calvin Ridley is out, like he'll remain the wide receiver one here. Kyle Pitts is just not getting it done. All the defenses are focusing just 100% on him, which opens up games like this for Cordell Patterson. Uh, but Kyle Pitts, yeah, it's just super, super disappointing over the last month or so of the season. I mean, people got excited. I don't think we should have changed our expectations. It was like, 
Calvin Ridley out, obviously, you know, we think he gets more volume, but like the, the big games Kyle Pitts had were like back-to-back big games against like the Jets, like really shitty teams. And then he hasn't really done anything against teams that are, you know, even competent on defense. So Kyle Pitts is moving towards that. Like there's a lot of guys I would rather have on my team. You know, Dan Arnold probably would have been one of them, but MCL sprain is going to be out four to six weeks. But those borderline guys like Pat Fryermuth, like all those guys, I'm probably starting over Kyle Pitts at this point. Um, Corderell, RB1. Pick up Russell Gage if you are desperate at flex. That's kind of all I'll say on the Falcons front. Uh, Jacksonville, what do we got here? Ew. Okay, so Dan Arnold hurt, like I said, four to six weeks. James O'Shaughnessy, I guess, comes in five targets. He's probably the next guy up for the Jaguars. Let me not put a full water bottle uncapped down on my desk. James O'Shaughnessy. Jake Stoneburner is his best comparable. Not good. Not good, fam. But this is one of those teams like the Jaguars, similar to Washington, where it's just like, we don't give a fuck if you're good or not. You're just going to run 100% of the tight end routes if everybody else is dead in front of you. Uh, One thing to note, I guess, is LaVisca Chenault led the team in targets with nine, and Jamal Agnew is out. So LaVisca is like, kind of playing that role, but like the Jaguars are using Laquan Treadwell as like their wide receiver one. Yeah. You're just not starting anybody here outside of James Robinson is really, I could have saved myself a lot of breath. Jets Texans. Uh, well, Zach Wilson one is clearly still dealing with the PCL sprain. Like his knee is still fucked up. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him, if Mike white is healthy or whatever the deal is with Mike white, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him under center sooner rather than later again, because Zach Wilson is clearly, clearly way less than hundred percent. The takeaways here, from the backfield, um, with Michael Carter out, Tevin Coleman, 16 carries, 67 yards. Ty Johnson, 6 carries, 42 yards. This dude, Austin Walter, comes in and looks pretty fuck. Oh, I don't know if I want to say looks good, but, like, you know, looks like he's an NFL running back in the New York Jets running back group. Nine carries, 38 yards, is the one to score the touchdown. In the receiving game, though, like, no one really does anything. Tevin Coleman, three targets, two catches, three yards. The other two get one target apiece, don't catch their targets. It's just the backfield that you really don't want a part of, man. It, it just, you know, Ty Johnson was the only one that I was going to get kind of excited about because he's explosive and he's a good pass catcher, but they're not going to use him that way. He got the third most carries in the backfield. One target didn't catch it. So they're not using him in the passing game either. So in my opinion, I guess you can own Tevin Coleman, but like you're not starting him. So I don't really know why I'd waste a roster spot on any of these guys. I think Michael Carter will be back in like two to three weeks. So I guess hold on to him on your IR spot. And that's really it. Uh, backfield in Houston, Rex, it's almost the same fucking situation where it's like you have guys getting decent enough volume where if they were in any other offense or they weren't just terrible at football, you'd be okay owning them. But like David Johnson, you know, 10 carries, three targets amounts to like 50 yards. Rex Burkhead, 12 carries, three targets amounts to 50 fucking yards. So there's really no one that you want to own. Brandon Cooks at this point is, you know, he did catch the 40 yard touchdown in this one, but like Tyrod is, is, is so bad right now in the passing game. The Houston offense just cannot move the ball at all. So uh, Cooks, I guess you could use as like a flex play, but more often than not, I mean, we've seen him over the last eight weeks of the season be kind of terrible. So shocking, right? The Jets and Texans was a terrible game. All right, we've got four more games to rip off. Chadges, Brancos. Uh, any takeaways, any takeaways, any takeaways? No, nothing that we didn't already know. Uh, Mike Williams is starting to become borderline unplayable, unfortunately. Uh, he's kind of like a desperate flex at this point. So RIP to Mike Williams and his wide receiver one season. 
Teddy B got hurt at some point in this game. Drew Locke came in, then Teddy B came bike. So monitor that uh, as per usual. The Broncos split this backfield perfectly. Melvin Gordon, 17 carries, 83 yards. Javante Williams, 14 carries, 54 yards. He's the one who gets into the end zone. Also super fucking involved through the air. Four targets, three catches, 57 yards. Uh, yeah, I mean, nothing new I could tell you. 17 touches apiece, 17, 18 touches apiece. When they have game script working in their favor, we can look at the rest of the schedule, and I know it's really, really favorable for running backs. They have Kansas City next week, Detroit, Cincinnati, Las Vegas, the Chargers again, which is who they just played and ripped off those games. So I think you can continue starting either of these guys as like low-end RB2s. It's it's tough to tell who's going to get the receiving work, who's going to get the O-line carries on a week-to-week basis, but like – both of them are giving you like a really solid floor of almost nine points in half PBR and, you know, weekly ceiling games like Javante just had of 110 yards from scrimmage, three catches and a touchdown. So, you know, you're going to get between like 10 and 20 points from either of them on a, on a weekly basis. So keep firing them up on the receiving side of things. At this point, I, I'm not starting anybody. Can't start Patrick, can't start Judy, can't start Cortland Sutton. Noah Fan, I'll probably run back if he's my tight end. Um, I think this was just a bad game from him and this entire passing offense. If you look at it, I mean, Teddy completed eight or he threw the ball 18 times. Drew Locke only seven times. So 25 pass attempts compared to uh, 33 rushes is not something that we're going to get used to seeing like week in and week out. But Noah Fan, like you probably don't have a better option. So he's the only one that I would probably throw back into my lineup here. Rams Packers, man, Stafford looked bad. Stafford looked bad. He ended up completing like the huge touchdown to both Van Jefferson and Odell Beckham Jr. Um, but I guess th- there's some good takeaways here. And that's like, you're seeing a really, really condensed target funnel, right? Cooper cup, 10 targets, Odell Beckham, 10 targets, Van Jefferson, nine targets. Like that's, that's what you like to see. Um, I guess like going forward, obviously Cooper Cup's a high end wide receiver one. I think Van Jefferson and Odell Beckham are both like decent flex spots. I feel like they were forcing a little bit to Odell Beckham. Van Jefferson only catches three balls on nine targets, but this is what they bring to the table. They bring these like breakaway plays where they could score a 50 yard touchdown. Um, at this point, yeah, I, th- I think you can start both of them as flex plays. I really do. Darrell Henderson, tough game here. Um, does end up getting it done though because. He gets 55 yards on the ground, but adds four catches and a touchdown through the air. So I, I still think you continue to fire up Darrell Henderson as a high-end RB1. Stafford, a little bit worrisome because he's got like fucking 72 things he's worried about. He's more banged up than my grandpa at this point. Elbow injuries, back injuries, fucking I'm sure he's got knee injuries going along with that that he hasn't announced yet. But like he is he is uh, that age might might be catching up to him, man. But, you know, if he's going to keep getting it done with 300 yards, three touchdowns, whatever way it happens, like you just, I guess, keep firing him up. Let's look at the Rams schedule rest of season. Jacksonville, Arizona, Seattle, Minnesota, Baltimore. So more often than not, you're going to get good games like next week against Jacksonville. You're obviously starting you're starting Stafford, Henderson, Cup, probably Odell and Van Jefferson as well as flex plays on the Green Bay side of things. Man, we saw Aaron Jones clearly not fully healthy uh, out, uh, Dylan out out carries him 20 to 10. Dylan looked really good in this game. You know, he didn't get like any big chunk plays, but. Super involved in the passing game. They do have their bye next week. So after that, I expect Aaron Jones to be fully healthy. And then I think we go back to seeing, you know, 55 to 60% of the touches go towards Aaron Jones and then, you know, 40 to 45% towards Dylan. But it's very clear that Dylan has carved out a, a legit real role in this backfield where I don't think his floor is like six carries anymore. I think he's got a double digit touch floor on a weekly basis. So you could probably start either of them going forward. Receiving side of things. So Randall Cobb is banged up with a groin injury. Again, they do have their bye, so we'll see if he ends up, you know, being back for week 14. But Marquez Valdez-Scantling, man, coming off a 10-target game, he gets a 9-target game in this one. If Randall Cobb misses time, I think MBS is like a very, very legit flex option for you guys and a good uh, waiver wire pickup. 
Next game, we got the Vikes and the Niners. Uh, so big takeaway here is, of course, Dalvin Cook has torn his other labrum. He's actually already dealing with a torn labrum on the other side. So now he has two torn labrums. They said they're going to rest him for a couple weeks. They are going to see if he can come back for a playoff run. Now, Alexander Madison, I don't need to tell you that he's the obvious uh, number one overall waiver wire pickup this week, and you blow whatever fab you have left on him if he's not already owned. Dalvin Cook, I have him in E-Town get down. Luckily, I continue to hold on to Alexander Madison and let him eat up my bench spot for exactly this reason. Um, I mean, you fire him up as a high-end RB1 next week against Detroit. We've seen him in the other games. He's getting 95% of the carries, 95% of the targets, uh, high-end RB1 when Dalvin Cook misses time. So nothing really else to talk about on the Viking side of things. San Francisco, 49ers. Motherfucking Elijah Mitchell, man. Didn't even know if he was going to play. Ends up ripping off 32 touches for like 170 total yards from scrimmage, a touchdown. Like Elijah Mitchell is looking like also like a league winner right now. They get the Seahawks next week, Cincinnati, Atlanta, Tennessee, Houston. So like a really, really sexy fucking schedule of games going forward for Elijah Mitchell. So, you know, he's obviously in your lineup every week. Debo pulled his groin. So... All right, so Debo got hurt, and it looked like it was so fucking serious, right? Debo was going off in, on the ground game. At this point, he's a running back. He's not even a fucking receiver. I don't know what they're doing over there, but they keep winning, so whatever. Six carries, 66 yards, two touchdowns. Only catches one ball on four targets. So Debo got hurt, and what it looked like to me was like, it, it one, it looked like a significant amount of pain, but now that we're hearing that it's not really like a major injury, Maybe it was something where like Debo had dealt with a groin strain already. Debo had kind of dealt with this injury already. So what it tells me is like he knew what it was immediately. And it was like, ah, fuck, I dealt with this before. And I know how annoying or I know how like lingering this injury can be because this is like a very familiar feeling. So maybe it wasn't super painful, but it was more like a frustrating like fuck this kind of injury. You know what I'm saying? So that's what it looks like to me. I think Debo will probably miss some time, probably miss a week, maybe two weeks, um, which is you know, obviously great news for Nayuk, who led the team with six targets, three catches, 91 yards. He continues to make chunk plays and now is strung together like three or four really strong weeks in a row. If Debo misses time, Brandon Ayuk's probably going to be the wide receiver one there. Um, so, yeah, if, if, if Ayuk is available for you in the waiver wire, I would absolutely go grab him because we have a, a lot of really good uh, games in a row here. The other thing I think I guess is... is uh, Worth noting is Jawan Jennings scores. Uh, I thought he scored twice. I guess not. Um, Jawan Jennings is a guy that you should pick up in Dynasty, though. Go look at Jawan Jennings. Pick him up in Dynasty. Shout out to fucking Micah, you loser. Somebody in my Dynasty, <laughs> Micah in my in the GoFamey Dynasty League has been going nuts about Jawan Jennings for like, I feel like for so long, since last year, since he was drafted. I don't know why he loves this kid. I think he's from Tennessee. Yeah, he loves all the Tennessee players, but whatever. Go look into Juwan Jennings. I think he's a, a, a someone to add in the Dynasty League for you. Browns versus Ravens. Um, so Kareem Hunt's first game back, for whatever reason, they just did not want to use him in the passing game. Like, there were a lot of spots in this game where he probably would have done really good for them in the passing game, and they just decided to keep him on the bench. So maybe he's not fully healthy yet. Let's look at these snaps here, actually. Go to lineups.com.
Week 12, 50% of the snaps for Chubb, 38% for Kareem Hunt, 10% for Dearness Johnstein. All right, so I think Kareem Hunt will probably work his way up a little bit more and take more of those Dearness Johnson, uh, Johnson touches, or uh, snaps, I should say. But just a disappointing game all I mean, this game was fucking terrible to watch. It was so, 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 so bad. It was just like them giving the, the playing hot potato with the ball at the end of the second quarter. It's going back and forth, getting strip sacked, of course, going against fucking Baltimore D. And then Lamar Jackson throws a pick, and then Baker Mayfield gets strip sacked, and then Lamar Jackson throws a pick. Ends up with four fucking interceptions, Lamar Jackson does. Um, just a bad game all around for basically everybody outside of Mark Andrews, four for 65 and a touchdown. Marquise Brown does catch eight balls, so if you're in a PPR league, that's fine. Bonta Freeman continues to be like the – workhorse i guess you could say in this backfield but there was no targets for the running back group i kind of think you just wipe this game completely off the slate for baltimore's offense you know it's just a tough tough uh tough game all around because lamar jackson decided not to play lamar jackson just decided to play running back in this one they're at pittsburgh next week then at cleveland so that's a tough group of games um pittsburgh we're gonna have to keep an eye out for uh who's the note i can't i can't remember the nose tackle that's been hurt but Running backs have absolutely shredded Pittsburgh with their starting nose tackle out. Um, so keep an eye on that as well. What else we got? Jarvis Landry had a really big game. 10 targets, 6 catches, 111 yards. But he's been so inconsistent since Odell Beckham left. Maybe this was like the spark he needed. I don't know. Maybe this was it. They play the... Oh, they got a bye next week. All right, so Kareem Hunt will be fully healthy by the time they come back. Baker Mayfield will be a little bit better, obviously. Um, six for 11, 111 for Jarvis, and they play Baltimore next week. So you could, or after the bye, so you could probably fire him back up as a flex play as well. But not too much confidence overall. Baltimore's run defense is is very good. They're getting it to shape as well. I think that is a slate of games. I think that's everything. Correct. How are we doing in the chit chat? How art thou? 76 comments. God damn. C-Mac is going to be a second-round pick next season. Nah, we'll probably see C-Mac go where, like, Saquon went this year. Uh, or maybe even a higher. I wouldn't be surprised if C-Mac... People are going to... What's going to happen is you're going to have everyone just being like, C-Mac, all these injuries were fluky, right? Like, they're not predictive of each other. Um and he's going to be a top five pick next year, I think. It'll be like Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry. Um, who else we got? Who's fucking good this year? See, like Austin Eckler, maybe. Najee Harris, guys like that. Um, I think I think C-Mac will find his way back into the top five as a pick next year. Yeah, whatever. All right. Yeah, I guess that's it. Nah, no fucking shot. People go back to Dalvin Cook as a top five pick. Dalvin Cook's one of those guys. Um, Dalvin Cook's one of those guys where the injuries are almost predictable. Like the shoulder dislocation is something that's chronic for him at this point. And most of the people, like most of the doctors that I followed were like, there's a really high chance. Like there are certain injuries where you have a, a much higher percentage chance of actually re-injuring that injury. Like if you have a low ankle sprain, that predictiveness of that happening again next year is not high. 
actually, I learned the opposite from Dr. Chow, um, who said that like every time you sprain your ankle, the ligaments come back stronger and they actually regroup quicker. So he said like a guy like Stephen Curry, who's twisted his ankle, you know, 200 times in his basketball career will return from that ankle injury way quicker than some of these football players who haven't done it that often with an injury, like the dislocation shoulder, like that's something that will plague you forever. You know, that's something that will, um, he's likely to dislocate that shoulder, like every single year and going forward. So that's like a really, really obvious common, uh, fault for him. So Dalvin cook will probably drop back to like the end of the first early second round. And there, I, I don't even know if I want a piece of him at that point, to be honest. All right, y'all. Uh, I am out of here. Yeah. I mean, this is, that goes without saying Cordell Patterson. Yeah. If the Falcons don't resign Cordell Patterson to like, I don't care how old that motherfucker is. He plays young. That money's about to be young. If they don't give him top five money at the running back position, I'm out. I'm out here. I'm not a Falcons fan anymore. I know I said that like 600 times over the years, but like on some real shit, I need to buy a quarter all Patterson jersey like ASAP. I'm about to do that right now. All right. I love y'all. I'm out. Make sure you hit the thumbs up if you enjoyed the video. We'll be bike tomorrow with our waiver wire video. 5 a.m. Eastern time. Bright and Charlie for you. All right. Love y'all. Goodbye.